1: CTFM, this is Eyewitness News from number 11, Dr. Martin Lube in Adabraka, in Accra. With me, Ni Lati Lati, this evening I'm here with...
2: Inno Suffol.
1: In the next 90 minutes, less than 24 hours to government announcement of the final terms of the debt exchange program, what really are the expectations of bondholders barring any last-minute hitches despite the fierce resistance? Still on Eyewitness News... Basic schools in Yankala in the northern region remain shut down after shootings by yet-to-be-identified persons over an alleged chieftaincy dispute.
3: It affects our education. We can't learn. Everywhere we are in the house, we can't go out. Everywhere there are soldiers in the community.
1: Also parents and BEC graduates on tenterhooks over delays in the release of this year's SHS placement by the CSSPS with just a week to reopening. But what explanations and assurances has the GS been given we hear from the education management body? Stay with ninety seven point three CTFM for more on these and other stories on eyewitness news and in business.
4: Players in the fund management sector optimistic of a rebound in activities as government prepares to announce final terms of the domestic debt exchange programme.
1: That will be in 15 minutes with Michael Obudu for the top stories in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on Ajempa, 100.7 FM in Takwa Beach, 105.5 FM in Takwadi. And Sky Power, 93.5 FM, also in Takwadi. If you are listening to us in the Bono region, this is Greener, 95.9 FM in Sunyani. Ashanti region, Ajempa, 99.9 FM in Inkari. Volta region, you are live on Heritage. 107.3 FM in Hohoi and Freedom 88.1 FM in Sugakope. In the Northern Region, this is Radio Gaki 88.3 FM in Saboba, Quality 88.7 FM in Garu in the Upper East Region, Nobia FM 98.1 FM in Nalugu in the Northeast Region. The show is also live on Facebook on 97.3 City FM and also on YouTube on CityTube. Eyewitness News is interactive. Tell us what you make of the story, share your views and thoughts via WhatsApp on 549 986, 0549 986 This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Ni Lati Lati here with Enu Safu who brings us our first story.
2: The Ghana Education Service has given assurances that the school placement for 2022 junior high school graduates will be released this week. The new academic calendar for senior high schools indicates that freshers are expected in schools on February 20, which is a week away. However, the JHS graduates are yet to be placed through the computerized school selection and placement system to the respective senior high schools and technical and vocational educational institutes across the country. Reacting to this, the Public Relations Officer for the GES, Cassandra Chum-Ampofo, asked stakeholders, particularly parents, to remain calm as plans are underway to release the school placement soon.
5: You know, when school closed for 10 months as a result of COVID, it disrupted our academic calendar. We used to have September to July, and then um, COVID made us turn to January to December. And so this year we met with the unions as we've always been doing. We meet our key stakeholders in developing the academic calendar. And so the unions put before us that um, we needed to go back to our usual or previous academic calendar, which was the September, um, July. And so we had back and forth on that. And then we agreed. And so we needed to make concessions at both ends by reducing the vacation period and then uh, reducing the contact period so we'll be able to meet, um, get to the end of um, the academic year in September. And then moving forward, we'll be using our old calendar as uh, we previously had before COVID set in. So that's actually what had happened. And um, the union said... They needed the time. You know, when we end in July, they are able to get their full vacation, their summer period, and some use that long vacation for their travels, their businesses, and what have you. And um, when we had the January to they really didn't have it that way. And so they were pushing for that amongst others. And so we agreed on that, and then um, we did the changes to the academic calendar. And that's the reason why... Uh, we, we've ended in September. So basically, it's for us to go back to our old academic calendar. What we used to do till COVID set in.
6: Well, for some parents that we've spoken to, they say that this is not going to help
4: them financially because they, that they will need to cough out a lot of money, I mean, within a short period of time. What would be your reaction? Would you tell them that this is not really necessarily to financially pay?
5: Exactly. Our intention is not to um, burden them financially. Um, that was what we used to have, and then COVID came in. And so we are only going back to our old norm. Um, nonetheless, the, because we wanted to do that, that's the reason why we needed to shorten the vacation period. And for them, it's been like it's it's a short time, and then... I mean, some few weeks or few days, and then another reopening comes in. And uh, we, we, we really understand the plight, and I would say that um, because we needed to go back to September, they should bear with us, and we know that um, we'll definitely get over this, and then we'll get to our normal times.
4: Okay, let's move over. Let's talk about the placement system. We from the calendar. means that the freshers are supposed to be in school on the 20th. Today is the 13th what's
1: happening are we hearing from your office with regard to
5: your placement absolutely you'll hear from us hopefully this week yes we are preparing so hard and um, just this weekend we had a training for our call center agents you know Before every placement, we prepare them so that those that are unable to visit our solution centres, we have solution centres at the regional education offices, and then the national one, these days we have them at um, Adabaka, the Nat Hall. So those that are unable to go there, we have a call centre, and we'll soon publish the number. And so preparations are almost, I mean, completed, and so hopefully this week they will hear from us, and definitely we'll meet the timelines on the academic calendar. Okay. anything new you want us to just know about? If there's something. Well, we'll continue to caution parents, guardians, and everybody that um, they have to be careful that they do not pay money, especially those that will be going into first year. That placement is done based on merit, and so don't be deceived. Do not pay money to anybody for your placement to be changed. And then um, we have our good teachers in all our senior high schools. And so once you get any of your chosen schools, do accept and attend.
2: Cassandra Chum Ampofu is Public Relations Officer for the Ghana Education Service.
1: Well, so that's the explanation from the Ghana Education Service. Last month, the West African Examinations Council released a result for candidates who sat for the Basic Education Certificate Examination B.E.C. in 2022. Last week, the Ghana Education Service released the calendar, the academic calendar for schools, and it said that first-year students will be will be reporting next Monday, that is the 20th of February, 2023, 20, with just a week. Uh, the computerized school selection and placement system is yet to release the placement for students to know the schools in which they have been placed. In fact, students and parents are really much concerned ...about this particular delay, asking questions about when their children will be reporting to school. Let's pick the thoughts of ranking member on the Education Committee of Parliament... ...and MP for Akachi North, Peter. Nochukotoy for more on this particular subject matter. Thank you for your time with us here on Eyewitness News. First, uh, doesn't this delay raise serious questions about preparations for parents... uh, ...to get their awards in school next Monday?
0: Uh, thank you, and uh, good evening. Uh, thank you again for having me. Yes, am, it is going to affect the school calendar seriously. Uh, this is because the 20th that the GS has even set as a reopening day for the first-year students, I am of the view strongly that it will not uh, be possible because we have only seen this to the 20th and the placement is yet to be released. Uh, if the placement is released this week, how can they take two or three days to prepare their horse to go to school? So I am of the view, and I'm thinking that uh, that 20th is not possible. If anything, it should be around 1st of uh, March. Uh, I think uh, uh, measures must be put in place so that uh, as soon as uh, the BC results are released, Placement is done within a week, so that parents can uh, prepare and then go to uh, let their wards go to school. Because it involves money, you don't know where your child is going to be placed, and what you will buy depends on the school, because they don't use the same uniform as uh, the basic schools. So challenges are going to be there, and uh, I don't think that 20th is going to be feasible. It may be a date on paper, but practically it will not work.
1: Mm. So you are saying that uh, the 20th February deadline or date that the Ghana Education Service has given is not feasible. And in fact, you are calling for a further extension. And you have mentioned that possibly it should be taken to the 1st of March. Uh, But you have been in the education space for some time now. Usually... Uh, Between the time that the results are released and students are expected to report, what processes usually are carried out?
0: Normally, um, when the results are released, uh, it is left with uh, the Ministry of Education and the GES to place the students in uh, schools. But uh, to me, it is taking some time. And... You know, the hula balloon that is uh, around the placement, especially of last year. So probably they are taking steps to avoid a similar thing happening. That might be the cause for the delay. But I am of the view that as soon as results are sleep, it will not take more than one week to place students. And they will just go back to school shortly. But the problem is how some of them are going to be placed, where they are going to be placed, and the preparations that parents will need to do. It is not a day, some of them are bodies, so the parents will have to buy some items before they can uh, report to school. So 20th, fine, but uh, it is not a proper or a feasible date that will be met by parents.
1: It's good you've mentioned the challenges that usually fraught uh, the placement process. Does it also suggest that because of this delay, it is going to eliminate these challenges you have been experiencing over the years, if that is anything to go by?
0: Yeah, the Minister has promised that uh, this year the mistakes or the errors that were encountered last year would not be repeated. So we have advised him to put a number of measures in place. And if he should go by those measures, uh, we are sure this year to be smooth. And uh, the corruption that uh, we experienced last year would be eliminated. So let us give him the opportunity, uh, let us give him the benefit of the doubt that before the end of this week, the placement should be out. And if the placement is out by Friday, how can students go to school on Monday? That's why I think it's not feasible. So let's just give the minister and his team uh, the benefit of the doubt and then hope that they will do so
1: quickly. Mm. Let's talk about this issue of double track. In fact, in the calendar that uh, the Ghana Education Service released last week, there is this element of double track for some schools for first year students. Uh, last week, teacher associations, especially the Ghana National Association of Teachers, really raised really concerns about the continuation of the double track system. In fact, you have been. Loud on some of these things in the past. Really, is it about time for us to bring an end to the double track system?
0: Yeah, just as you said, since the inception of the double track uh, uh, system, I've been very much uh, against it for various uh, reasons. I can give you two. For instance, it gives the teachers so much burden of work that they don't rest. And teaching is such a job that uh, you need rest so that you can prepare for the next day or for the next week. But teachers are continuously in class. Then also, it doesn't give the school authorities enough time to uh, prepare uh, facilities in the school before students come in. Uh, Go track will end today. Then tomorrow you see the green track coming in. So there's no space or there's no time for even the of the school because the students are congested in the dormitories and all those schools. And then the fact that uh, they claim they have uh, enough contact hours, I dispute it because the double track does not give enough uh, time for students and teachers to cover the syllabus. Everything is done in a hurry. So uh, I was thinking that by now there would not be anything like double track. Because we advise government, there are so many projects ongoing. Look for money and complete them. But because somebody started, would not want to complete for students to use, and government or public fund is being wasted. So uh, it is because of government failure to complete projects that have uh, started or that were started some uh, six years or seven years ago. That's why the double track is still there. But but the numbers
1: are increasing while infrastructure remains the same and you have even admitted that some of these projects have not been completed. Isn't it the reason why uh, the double track system is still in place?
0: No. It is lack of uh, foresight because every year numbers increase. So it is important that uh, as a policy planners, you must make sure that uh, You think ahead of time. If you know that the numbers increase by 10%, then what do I do so that infrastructure will be in place before uh, the increase in numbers? So government has failed to look at that, uh, thinking that the facilities that we have already will be enough. It is not. So uh, I am of the view that uh, the double track is still disadvantageous to students. It is not helping them. And government must wake up and complete all ongoing projects in the various senior high schools. Let's uh, let Getfund get fund enough money. Let us cap get funds, and if Getfund receives more money, all these projects will have been completed. Because for this year alone, two thousand twenty-three, the estimated income for Getfund is four point six five billion naira. But in the allocation of resources, GetFund is given only $1.8 billion. Whether even that $1.8 billion will go to GetFund is another question. So GETFAN needs a lot of money to complete all these projects. The government is uh, having Fund of resources, and that is why we are having uh, these challenges, and then the double track is not being uh, eliminated.
1: Mm. and to uh, our, our substantive issue reason we are discussing this one, you are saying that the only option available to the Ghana Education Service is to extend the 20th February reopening date for first year students
0: oh yeah definitely because uh, the 20th the government, the Ministry of Education and the Ghana Education Service cannot meet those th- those days because if you have not released the placement by today uh, which is a uh, 13th of uh, February, how can in one week parents can prepare for their schools to for their wards to go to school on the twentieth? It is not possible. Yeah,
1: we are grateful that Peter Nchukoto, a ranking member on the Education Committee of Parliament and MP, of Akachi North in the Volta Region, telling us about uh, the delay. With the release of the computerized school selection and placement system for candidates who start for the BECE just a week, and to today we open, as announced by the GS, well, the GS has assured stakeholders, particularly parents, to remain calm as plans are underway to release the placement soon. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM, live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, in Accra. My name is Nii Lati Lati, here with Inusafu. We return with more stories. Do stay.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
6: Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ct97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ct973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash ct973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
1: So 97.3 CTFM, this is still Eyewitness News live from our studios at number 11. Dr. Martin Lubin Adabaka here in Accra. My name is Ni Lati Lati here with Enu Safu. We are some less than 24 hours away from government's announcement of the final terms of the domestic detection program. But uh, bondholders, especially the pensioners bondholders, are so optimistic despite their peer resistance that they will be exempted from that particular program. Enu, tell us more.
2: Pensioner bondholders say they are optimistic that the government will eventually exempt their investments from the domestic debt exchange program. The retiree investors and government securities have been picketing at the finance ministry since February 6th to demand this exemption. On day six of the protest, some of them say they are hopeful their demands will be met.
1: Dr. Eduanani Nienchi is convener of the pensioner bondholders. He joins us on the line to have a conversation on their issue six clear days of protest at the finance ministry, but tomorrow the finance minister will be announcing the final terms of uh, the domestic debt exchange. Will you see this is a lost cause or there is some light at the end of the tunnel for you?
7: Well, we think that we will still have, uh, we will still receive an announcement exempting the pensioners. Uh, there is no incentive now for the minister to still hold on to his position. I understand what he wanted to achieve. And that was, as he held on, uh, he was of the belief that some pensioners would, uh, tender in their, their bonds. And so, that was, uh, something that we think he could achieve. Now the window is closed. And, uh, no, nobody has any a way of tendering in the bonds now. So there's no incentive for the minister to still hold on to his uh, previous position. And that, I believe, that would inform his decision to grant the exemption. Because there's nothing you can do now. Nobody is bringing the bonds. So why would you uh, keep on uh, let these uh, old people, elderly, be picketing at your place endless or endless period at least uh, just let them let them go so i believe the minister is going to do that
1: are you speaking out of hope or because you have finalized uh, some uh, discussions with the finance minister
7: no 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 discussion has been finalized but i believe there is no way you are going to hold on to this position forever and the elderly ones are also saying they would be there every day, every day until you give in. So how long, and as I'm saying, there's no incentive now. If you keep on holding on, what are you trying to achieve? If previously you thought that, well, people were thinking, what do I do if I'm not going to get an exemption? Probably that was the idea that people would at all costs uh, tender in their, their bonds, since they didn't see any way out. But that, that is past Now there is no incentive again. If you are holding on, nobody is bringing any uh, uh, instrument to you again. So why do you hold on with that position and let people create continue to create this bad image for the country? That would be too bad.
1: Tell us about the six of your picketing as you gathered at the finance ministry today. How different was it from the previous five days?
7: Well, the same, the same. Uh, at least today, we got uh, two people coming from outside Accra. One person came from St. Uh, Kofi, I think so, it mentioned their name, purposely for this. And so I also came from Kumasi. The Kumasi man got there a little late. He'll be fully represented tomorrow because he's sleeping over to join us. He didn't come. He couldn't get here early. And then there was another, somebody who is not a pensioner and also not a bondholder. Uh, he joined us. Uh, he said he was a former uh, senior secretary to the Pharmaceutical Association or something he join us uh, to uh, give a support and solidarity, and so uh, that that was uh, a good thing because people have said, I believe the press, uh, some people have heard the press, and some pressmen saying uh, it's not good for them to look unconcerned and allow only these old uh, elderly people to be doing the job, and that they should come on board. I also had the uh, teachers uh, two of the teachers senior you know, last week and last week before the week uh, the friday also also coming out to say uh, and the one 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 of them said personally that he was ashamed that they are looking on all for the elderly to fight this uh, matter and that is true because what they are fighting for is not only for them now but to change you know policy making uh, 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 that we have in this country. That when you are bringing any policy, ensure that you don't uh, 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 use it for the elderly to, to inflict pains on the elderly with such policies. So this is not for only people who are alive now as elderly, but it's only for people who are yet to become elders. That we are doing this so that government when any time government is doing any policy, you would think about the, the, the elderly one and make provision for them so that they, they are not, uh, uh, they don't suffer. They are already vulnerable groups that need to be protected and helped. And if you can't help them, you don't have to do policies that will affect them uh, uh, adversely. So that fight should not be left We are fighting. If people will come and help us fight, we appreciate that. But whether people will come or not, we are determined we would keep on. And if we get even three people every day to be there, we'll be there until we are exempted.
1: Interesting how you mentioned that uh, you are inviting people to come and join you in this particular fight. That actually takes me to my next question. Last Friday, when the former Chief Justice sofia Kufu joined you in your protest, did it change anything at all?
7: No, I'm not saying we are inviting people, but I'm saying the people themselves have seen and journalists have started talking that the young ones should join us because this fight is not for us alone. We are there. Anybody who wants to come, I don't think we will start that pressing uh, that go away. You know, if anybody like this man who came today, he's not part of us, but he came and uh, he's welcome to uh, give us uh, uh, sorry, uh, give us uh, what do you call it uh, sympathy and concern, express his sympathy and concern to us. The chief, uh, uh, the former chief justice, yesterday came. He also is not, he said that he is not impacted negatively by pension issues because by the grace of God, he had he is out on a good pension. So all that is happening will not affect him. But he said that in spite of that, it is affecting people who are either age uh, or, or some of them older than, of course, older than he is, uh, above 70. Some of them are 80, getting to 90. So he has friends, he has family members, he has uh, 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 parents and sisters who are less than, who are in that uh, uh, category. So it was good that he come there to support. So if any other person also feel that he ought to come and support there, the, you need not be, a bondholder or so, and uh uh, uh what a uh, retiree bondholder before we come
1: and support a good cause all right so tomorrow the finance minister will be announcing the final terms and you are expecting that uh, the bonds of pensioners will be exempted from this particular you know program but in a worst case scenario if that does not happen what is going to be your next line of action continuous protest
7: continue with uh, gathering there we have given the notice to the police that we will be meeting there every working day until we are exempted and we are going to do that
1: all right i wish you well let's see how this development yes. will unfold tomorrow but thank you so much and uh, that's dr edu anani Enchi convener of the pensioners bondholders and uh, demanding a total exemption from the government's domestic debt exchange program. Well there's this statement just coming in from the Ghana Individual Bondholders Forum convener is senior host. they are requesting for the payment of outstanding interest on due bonds uh, following some agreement they had with the finance minister. Good evening to you sir and thank you for your time with us here on Eyewitness News. You are by this statement reminding the Minister of Finance to honour his obligation or promise uh, to pay all due coupons and principal payments as far as uh, some bonds of yours are concerned. Uh, uh, Tell us more.
8: Um, We've had uh, negotiations with government and uh, the consensus at the end of our negotiation was that one we are going to be free not to participate. And he also gave other conditions for those who want to participate. And he felt that it was necessary to give us... Hello,
1: Mr. Hussi. Hello, Mr. Hussi. Since the apologists there, it seems you're having some challenges trying to reconnect to... And uh, who's Hussey, convener of the Individual Bondholders Forum, and we'll try to work the lines out and then get back to him. But let me read portions of the statement that they have just issued. Uh, it's titled Request for Outstanding Payment on Due Bonds. Well, refer to your affirmation of government commitment to honor all coupon and principal payments due individuals with holdings of bonds not tendered into the domestic debt exchange program. Well, uh, they are reminding the Minister that payment of coupons and principal for bonds that matured since the 6th of February to date remain outstanding and with the DDE deadline of 10th February over. Uh, they are trusting that government will be clear in its position to ascertain the total bonds due for payment after the completion of the DDE settlement scheduled for tomorrow, February 14, 20 twenty three. Well, Senior Hussey is back on the line hopefully better this time around. Uh, Mr Hussi were explaining to us why you are asking the finance minister to honour his commitment of paying all bonds that are due for payment.
8: Okay, so the DDE is officially over. Tomorrow is settlement date. In the government's communications and through that DDE, he actually indicated that bonds that were maturing between the date of the DDE and the settlement date which is tomorrow. We're going to be suspended, and we could understand that for operational reasons. As, as, as members of industry, we understand that. But the DD is now over. Tomorrow is the 14th. With it being the 14th, we expect government to make good on its obligation. The finance minister was categorical that he owes us a legal obligation. But beyond that, government has a policy stand that is going to honor all obligations of individual bondholders who do not participate in the DDA program. So that is the next phase of our advocacy. And we trust the government to make good on its obligation. From tomorrow, after the settlement, it will know the number of people who did not tender in the bonds that matured on the 6th of February and those coupons that were also matured as of today. Today there were some coupons that matured. We just need our money. And I don't think it's a problem. I know they are aware. So this letter went in just to provide a reminder. 'Cause we know that government is under a lot of pressure. So we're just reminding them to prepare the payment. Ideally, this payment should be done on the fifteenth. But we can also understand that there may be operational issues. So we have given recommended a certain year after the seventeenth, and we are hopeful that government would take advantage of this opportunity to re inject confidence in government and in the financial system. A lot of people are in doubt of government honest dealing, honest commitment. But we are hoping and expecting the government to honor its obligations. So they should take advantage of this to really establish confidence in the activities of the finance ministry.
1: Well, government is is under a lot of pressure. Is it therefore uh, something for me to ask you that will government be able to honor its obligations because of the kind of difficulties it has faced with this whole domestic debt exchange program?
8: No, oh, I don't see why. The domestic debt has will bad news that there's been quite some significant progress, whether it's fifty three percent, or eighty six percent, it can save government a lot of money. It is not the money due um investors, individual bondholders, be it pensioners or whoever, be it any any parents, single mothers, anyone around, that's going to leave create problems with uh, for government uh, fiscal fiscal stance as we as we look at Government has a capacity. In fact, the finance minister said the more people come, in, the easier it will be for him to honor the obligation. And a lot of people have come in. The banks, the central banks, have stepped in the gap for all of us. So I think that everything is right for him to make good on his obligation. And we are going to be engaging. We are partners in this project to turn around Ghana. So they start with them under the obligation and empowering the citizens to have confidence in the sector and invest in the sector.
1: Failure for the government to honor its obligation tomorrow, what is going to be uh, the option left for you as individual bondholders?
8: Okay, first of all, let's situate this thing properly. Legally, government has fifteen days to to, 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 to somewhat delay its period, its payment on principal and thirty on on, 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 on coupon. I don't think government intends to officially default. Neither do we expect government to also vary its norm of operation. That has really inspired confidence in it all these years. Government has been prompt. The last two times they have not been prompt only because of the DD organization, and there's an operational reason for it. Even in that, we acknowledge that government did not default. So we expect government to get back to its routine of doing things and honouring these obligations on time. After tomorrow, they will know the people who are outstanding, and we are not much. So let's just try and make sure we just avoid any unnecessary bruhaha unnecessary strife among the same citizenry that we seek to save, um, by, by by delaying their payments any further. We trust the government will, will do the right thing, and it must do the right thing for the good of Ghana.
1: Well, I put this question before Dr. Anani Enchi uh, tomorrow. The Finance Minister will be announcing the final terms of the domestic debt exchange program what really are your expectations as individual bondholders?
8: Okay, I'm not too sure whether it is terms or the outcome of the of the program. And I think it's rather more the outcome that he may, may be announced because there are no mm-hmm. new okay, terms so. that are coming up. Yeah. The terms were brought in through the DDE and it is over. What we always argued was that we did not expect to be punished for holding our old bonds. That's why we're first talking about exemption. The minister told us that I'm giving you the opportunity to self-exempt, but I also give an opportunity to participate if you want to. If you want to. But if you decide not to participate, I will not punish you. I will pay you. Well, that representation is already grounded in law, and that is what we stand on. But outside of that, it's also the fact that it is good to also know that it's grounded in the policy frame of the managers of the policy space. So that is fine. We expect our money to be paid. Tomorrow, we'll clap for government for whatever is achieved, trying to save government some expenditure within the year. But we'll also remind them, as we have done through this letter, that you have obligations to honor, which is very critical to the resuscitation of our economy. So just simply pay the individual bondholders who do not participate. Those who participated, that one they have participated. That is their right. Those who did not, it's also our right. Please, just
1: pay us and let's go. This matter is not long. All right, thank you. That senior Hussi. He is convener of the Individual Bondholders Forum. Well, from one forum, let's go to the camp of the Individual Bondholders Association of Ghana. Martin Pebu is their convener. He joins us on the line. Good evening to you, uh, Martin Pebu, and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. Currently, where do you stand ahead of the announcement of the final output of the domestic debt exchange program by the finance minister tomorrow?
8: Well, right now we are in that straits. that our members are having sleepless nights, okay? They are having so many anxieties and uncertainties over the failure of government to pay some mature bonds last Monday. So that's our preoccupation. Uh, at least the reason it's our preoccupation is that the last time we knew, government had at least 65% subscription. And we knew that since government was targeting 80% and as of that time had received 65 it means that that was good. Government could go with 65 minimum. So um, the final results tomorrow may not change too much what we already know because we know that, look, at 65%, government had been successful, so it could work. I mean, government has to just live within its means. The main problem we are having is that government doesn't want to live within its means. Government doesn't want to cut his coat according to his cloth. So when somebody is engaged in living beyond, I can't spend all my time wondering and having sleepless over that person. No, that's not it. We can't be roped into that kind of exercise. So while 65% was raised, we knew that oh, uh, government was on a a road to getting an IMF board approval, right? Yes. So right now, um, who am I talking to, please?
1: I'm Neil Atilati.
8: Yeah, and he, right now, our main preoccupation is that last uh, Monday, 6th February. 4.2 billion of the bonds matured, so they were to be paid. Government didn't pay, and this Akenufuriata has not said a word to us. He hasn't said a word, and so that is causing us sleepless nights, It's causing us pain and headache, fear and alarm, etc., because it was payday. 6th February was payday. If the problem, government could communicate. You see, my colleague, Sinyo Hosi, and you know, by the way, the two groups have been collaborating. Yes. So, but on this matter, sometimes it's good to have uh, a bit of a divided opinion on it. What prevented the finance minister from explaining? me? You heard the way Sinyo explained it. the finance minister mm-hmm. has so many people working under him. The a fact, that's part of uh, the problem, the over government. Have you heard, Dr is an example of Klobzak, said that the Finance Ministry alone has a lot of party apparatus and the other parts of the civil service, etc. So he has a lot of people working for him. He couldn't get anybody to give a press release, grant an interview about the fate of the bonds that matured on 6th February. So that is what is causing us pain and anxiety. The Finance Minister has abused his office. Somebody lends you money and the day to pay has come. You are not going to pay him, and you don't even have the courtesy to inform him when you pay the money. And for what reason there is a delay? No, 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 that's too much. That's the arrogance. The Sofriata has to realize that the finance ministry is not his personal company. It's not his personal office. It belongs to the Republic of Ghana, the people of Ghana. So when people lend you money, and then the day to pay has come and you don't have it. Issue a statement. The one senior is mentioning like this. Look, me let me tell you, there are millions of individual bondholders who don't know the law senior is quoting. They don't. At the time they bought their bonds, they were just told, oh, this one, two years, it will mature. This one, five years, seven years, etc. Nobody told them that when uh, the maturity day comes and government doesn't pay, there's another 15 days or those. no, no. no. Nobody mentions such a thing. So... We can't be heard, government can't be heard to say such things. And you see why the finance minister didn't come out? Yes, I noticed the finance minister who has done so many to see and the president, and they've lost all their credibility. So as soon as they did that, then people are panicking, because it's like you had a president, there will be no haircut. Today, what do we have? Individual bondholders are zen. Today, what is the score? Et cetera, et cetera. So because of that, people are rightfully afraid. They can't trust the Sufuriata and the president mm. because of their past conduct. And in, in all of this, if you want to understand our current crisis, don't forget, Mr. President and Kenufuyata, their families have become very rich as a result of the fees and the commission data bank. And from these very bonds, these very bonds, well, 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 Martin...
1: <laughs> You were expecting government to reduce its expenses, in fact, and reduce its government size and also call for the total exemption of individual bond from the domestic uh, debt exchange. All of this did not happen. Uh, As you learn, tomorrow the finance minister will be putting forward whatever he has as far as the domestic debt exchange program is concerned. We are also picking up information that you are going to lead a demonstration and as far as this issue is also concerned, tell us more about the demonstration ahead of the final announcement by the finance minister.
8: Great. Okay. Nilan, we had to give the police five days' notice. Yeah, as I've mentioned, because of the way Mr. Ophoyata and the president have behaved in the past, we couldn't trust them. So it's better to start taking precautionary measures. And, you know, you can't just get up today today and start demonstrating. You need to give the police five days' notice so that's how we have to put it in, because now we don't know what Mr. Ophariata will say tomorrow. Because if he was going to pay me, like I said, there's two lines, I will pay you on this day. He hasn't been able to do so, despite the countless number of assistants and civil servants and public servants in the ministry, right? Uh-huh. So with that kind of uh, uh, situation, well, let's just see what he is saying tomorrow, we have planned, we will start on Monday, 20th February, That is a plan, so that the police are taking measures to be to provide security. We start Monday, 20th February. We will run it through the week, the working days, to Friday, 24th February. Uh, we will do it at the Blaster uh, Square, the Independence Square. And um, each time we meet there, 10 of our leaders, Will be escorted by the police to go to the finance ministry to present a petition yes so we will the majority of us will be at the independent square and then 10 from our members who go to the finance ministry to present a petition on each day and that's how we'll carry it. today did you see who else came to the pensioners uh, picketing it was uh, professor Osam. yep uh, pro vice chancellor right yeah. They did well so tomorrow, I'm sure another big shot will come. So you see how the face of our democracy is changing. We are very grateful to Chief Justice Sofa Kufu for what she's done. Yaa Santua returns. Yaa Santua returns. She's mm-hmm. leaving the onslaught because a lot of us men are quiet, people with selfish interests, people don't want to talk. I mean, we all supported the president. I voted for him. But if he's getting it wrong, what stops him from coming out to voice my misgivings and all that. So all those who supported you and today they are quiet. Well, the men are quiet. The women will do it. You think what if their sister so a is done? God bless her. And we hope more will happen.
1: All right, Martin, let's leave it here. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak to us on Eyewitness News and wish you well in your endeavors as you demand. Uh, exemption from the domestic debt exchange program. That's Martin Pebo, a convener of the Individual Bondholders Association of Ghana. So like we have been saying, the finance minister will tomorrow announce the final output of the domestic debt exchange program. In fact, on Thursday also, he will be appearing before Parliament to brief the House on the government domestic debt exchange program. Last week, the Speaker of Parliament uh, asked the business committee of the House to summon the finance minister to give a policy brief On the program due to the ongoing picketing at the finance ministry by pensioner bondholders for an exemption from the program. So let's see what happens tomorrow as the finance minister makes that crucial announcement. Let's go to Nyangpala now because schools, there remain shut.
2: Basic schools in Yangpala and the Tolon districts of the northern region remain closed following two shooting incidents caused by unknown persons over an alleged chieftaincy dispute. The gunshots started on Thursday, February 9th before the situation was brought under control. However, there was more gunfire in the community yesterday, leaving residents worried. The identity of the shooters and their motives are unknown, but some residents believe the incidents are connected to the enskinment of a new chief in the community. Some students affected by the closure of schools at Nyangpala spoke to City News. We've not
3: yet closed for school, but they say we should go on because of the situation. People in the community are running away because, because of the situation. Every day they are shooting guns and that it affects our, our studies. We can learn and we can go to school again. It affects our education. We can't learn. Everywhere we are in the house, we can't go out. We can't go out everywhere. There are soldiers in the, in the community.
2: Those were some students in Yangpala in the northern region. Meanwhile, there is relative calm in the area.
6: Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ct97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city 973 And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city 973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
2: Get the details. details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all
0: the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed.
4: Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obudu. Let's settle for the details And now. Players in the fund management sector say they are hopeful of a rebound of the industry soon with the conclusion of the government's domestic debt exchange program. The government had given a three-day window which elapsed on Friday for bondholders to conclude their signing on to the program. This came after four consecutive postponements of the deadline, which further heightened the uncertainty in the bonds market. Speaking to City Business News, Group Chief Marketing Officer of Data Bank Jillian Hammer is confident that with clarity restored to the market, fund management companies should soon be able to meet the liquidity needs of their clients.
5: At that point, I think they can once again expect to start hearing from their asset management companies on what the true impact is on them. I know there was some discussion around, you know, many companies not being able to talk, but it's difficult to talk when things are changing every few days. And um, it's it, so sometimes it's better to kind of be still, see how things play out. So when you speak, you actually are speaking from a point of accuracy and not just, Speaking for your voice to be heard. So I think what clients should hopefully be able to look forward to is some clarity in terms of now what will happen with their investments and they should be able to look forward to also hearing from their investment companies.
4: Julian Hammer is the group chief marketing officer of DataBank. Meanwhile, economist Dr. Patrick is urging government to fasten its fiscal adjustment policies if it decides to finally exclude the pensioner bondholders from from the domestic debt exchange program. The pensioners who are part of the Pensioners for Bondholders Forum lament that government has turned a deaf ear to the request for an exemption. They believe the inclusion of their bonds will negatively impact their livelihoods. Dr. Patrick Assuming has been speaking to City Business News on government's options as we decide to exclude the bond pensioner bondholders from the DDP.
3: But the financial between the systems are not completely excluding them. This is the that they are holding substantial chunk of the coupons that the, of the balls that they feel that they are excluded. They not able to make their target. So it doesn't mean that they cannot exclude them and they still have a better state. It just means there's something better to keep. Whether it is letting the food adjustment take more, a bigger chunk of uh, the debt management, or maybe we'll having to tighten the term for some of the other groups that are to the government. So I think there's clearly a sense that if the exclude the exclude pension, the pensioners. Then you know it has to come from somewhere. I think the problem is the willingness of the government to pick a little more of the of the of the in order to resolve the 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 problem. I think that's where the issue is.
4: Dr. Patrick Assuming is an economist. In a related development, the Individual Bondholders Forum is calling on government to make payments of bonds and principles for bonds that matured since the 6th of February to date. According to the group, this is based on the affirmation of government's commitment to honour all coupon and principal payments due individuals with holdings of bonds not tendered into the domestic debt exchange program. The forum hopes that the government will seize the opportunity as it has concluded the domestic debt exchange program to re-engineer public and investor confidence and trust by making the payments not later than Friday, 17 February 2023. Now away from that the Ghana grid company Gridco has stated that the debt owed by the various power distribution companies and other entities running into billions of cities is taking a negative toll on its operations. The Northern Electricity Distribution Company and the Volta River Authority owes Gridco over 6 billion cities for using electricity between 2017 and 2021. The electricity company of Ghana, ECG and Netco also owe Gridco over two point seven billion CDs. Addressing the price in Accra, the Chief Executive Officer of Gridco, Ebenezer Kofi, is you, says, says his outfit is working with the companies involved to find amicable ways of clearing the debt.
6: The debt impact on our operations uh, I wouldn't want to deceive anybody. It is an issue. That is the reason why government is this conscious effort find some resources for us to do the investment that we require. It's all with understanding that, hey, this legacy debt may have to be addressed in a strategic way over time. Did I answer your We have a bulk of compensation that we need to pay for people that are giving us the land for us to use. Then also, if I had the resources, I would have put those all my life when you do that, it gives you like two or three years. Much of the disturbances that we have is because there's some tree under the line, you've bloated a little to the line, the line has come down a little more. It is not touching the ground. And normally it doesn't touch the object, it is the distance as you cruise it up. Then the fire that is silently working on it will find a path to the ground. If I had all the resources. But we are managing, you know, we are managing within the
4: Limited resources that we have. Ebenezer Kofi Essiening is the chief executive officer of the Ghana Grid Company Limited Grid Now, players in the agricultural sector believe Ghana remains a viable investment option despite the country's present economic challenges. With Ghana's debt levels at uns- With Ghana's debt levels at unsustainable stages, uh, the government is doing all it can to secure an IMF bailout program through its domestic debt exchange program. However, the General Secretary of the Food and Beverages Association of Ghana, Samuel Agri, believes that with the right incentives, governments should be able to attract the right investors into the country's agricultural sector to help grow the economy. He spoke to the media on the sidelines of the launch of the AgriTech West Africa uh, with Food and Beverage Ghana 2023.
9: Ghana being a safe haven, because um, our democracy is very safe, um, the people are very peaceful, and we look at all these things that goes around to say that if you want to put your money in an area where um, it will be safe, then it's an area where you have your peace, you have uh, stability in that economy. Even though we are going down, it doesn't mean that uh, we cannot uh, rebound. But um, the incentives that governments will give to these investors is what will make them come in to invest their money in this economy. Because um, you cannot come in and be seen uh, to be paying high tariffs when you cannot break even and your profit margins are very low on the table. That will not help. So we need to look at all these things because uh, if the existing factories in place are crying, then
4: those who are coming will start looking at why are these people crying. That was General Secretary of the Food and Beverages Association of Ghana, Samuel Agri. Now finally, award-winning real estate market leader Indigo Homes has retweeted its commitment to develop quality home solutions that serve the needs of Ghanaians. This, according to the company, is part of efforts to help curb the housing deficits in the country. Addressing the media during a site tour of their residential developments in Oyarefa Park and Ayimensa Park, founder and CEO of Black Ivy, the parent company of Indigo Homes, Ms. Cheryl Mills, said her company is committed to building communities in Ghana that are secure, vibrant and a joy to live in. Uh,
10: Our first country of choice, we actually went and traveled and visited nine different countries and ultimately determined the first place we wanted to orient ourselves was here in Ghana for a whole host of reasons. Uh, and not just because the people are fabulous, but I will acknowledge that had a little bit to do with it. People were incredibly welcoming and friendly. There was a deep connection from my perspective with both African Americans and uh, the U.S. And that mattered to me. It mattered to me to be in a place where I felt like the opportunity to bring um, the best of a collaboration uh, could be found. And that was here in Uh We have since uh, grown and we are also now in Tanzania and Kenya. Um, but here we've been building homes, because one of the things we learned when we came is that there was a gap in the, in the number of homes that were being provided, and obviously a lot of that gap is at a market that we are not yet at, but we are looking to be able to serve as well. So our ultimate goal was first to be able to establish that we were a brand that people could trust, and building trust was hard. Uh, it really meant for those first year years we needed to build our development and have impeccable quality. And also some of the things that we wanted to see that were different, how do we build community? When we first started, we said we weren't going to have gates, and everybody
4: was like shocked. No gates. Are you kidding? That was CEO of Black Ivy, the parent company of Indigo Homes, Miss Cheryl Mills. Indigo homes, homes' designs are known for their quality and blended modern American architecture with timeless features of each destination that's all for city business news on eyewitness news It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website citybusinessnews.com my name is michael obudu thank you for listening up next is point blank
0: eyewitness news be there as it happens
1: Witness news on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Snee Lati Lati. Time now for Point Blank. And tonight, we bring you portions of a presentation by the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Grid Company Limited Grid Co. Engineer Ebenezer Kofi Sieni. He's been lamenting about the impact of illegal mining, popularly known as galamsey, on its operations. The company says illegal miners have begun digging in areas close to its towers and stealing some key components of their towers starts creating huge financial losses for the company. It's also been speaking about measures being put in place to keep the light on for Ghanians. Listen.
6: The next item that we'll have a look at is Average System Availability Index. On average, how is the power system available? For the benchmark, we have 99.7%. For Q3, we did 99.94%. Q2, 99.84%. Q1, 99.96%. And Q4 had 99.93%. Averagely, these are industry standards that are benchmarked for performance. Also, we look at 2021, as against 2022, we have the total number of substations, the transformer capacity as of 2021, then the transmission lines value, which is about 7,200 kilometers, substations are 68 Remember 2022, we had Pukwase Commission, we had Kansawa Commission, in addition to others. Transport capacity increased because when you commission these substations, you bring on board additional capacities at these substations. And that is the reason why the lines haven't changed much between the two years. Regulatory threshold as part of our performance review. The side is 5.20, 2022, we did 5.22, we're a little above. CIFI is 156, we did 300, clear indication that we could not achieve the target and therefore we need to work more to it. Feeder availability, 99%, we did 99.95. Transmission line availability, 99, that's the regulatory threshold, we did 99.26. Plan maintenance, 95, we did 99. Transmission losses, for the first time in many years, four point zero. we met the regulatory benchmark of 4.0. What happens is that on average through the month, the 12 year, when you sum them and you divide by 12, we achieved that target. I'll jump straight to operational challenges. This one had to do with our effort to bring in uh, uh, additional ladies in our operation we are too masculine but gradually we are improving what we say is that what the men can do the woman can do far better for instance we've been educated that we should not see a, a lion's man we say a lion's staff because a lady can also climb the tower and do exactly what we do as it happens in other jurisdictions and we are keeping our mind on that to achieve that, that purpose, because we need to bring uh, our ladies to the fore. Operational challenges, and here I will, I will plead with our, our friends in the media. We really not need to work together on this aspects of things. Overgrown of our, our, our lines, we need to clear them. A lot has happened with the grade; appeared to be quiet, calm and stable. The grid really doesn't like too much of noise. And therefore, we are making a conscious effort to clear the lines, but it comes at a huge cost. And we need to count on you to let us educate our brothers whose farms these lines go through, so that if there are trees that are in their farm, we may have to cut them to impact a little on some of their cocoa trees. It is not with bad intention, but it is for the good of all of us. That's why we do those things. So you can see the picture that shows where a line passes. It's quite challenging. Some of the lines go through very thick forest, extremely thick. And the reason is that we also try to minimize the cutting of going through the forest without opening it up too much. That leads to those who go and illegally harvest the the timber so we blend the two in the way we do our things Galamsey. i don't know whether the gold has started to normally uh, form around the base of our towers it's becoming a problem for us where galam consciously dig under our lines there are challenges where we needed to go and relocate the tower at an additional cost, the one that they was working so well, but you can see that the line guys who come and tell us that oh, tower is collapsing because you know, or some of the steel members have been removed by the galanseers. Because I understand they use it to do whatever in their tunnels. Uh, I've never been to any of the tunnels, so I don't know how they do it. But that's what I understand. These are things that we need to let our brothers and sisters appreciate that this infrastructure are there for our collective good and we need to protect them. Occasionally, as a power system, we normally have some challenges. Normally when you, you see the lines, you don't see the fire on them, but they are extremely dangerous. Extremely. They are quiet, but they are extremely dangerous and therefore When we make the case that look, uh, we need to stay off the right of way because of challenges. Quite recently, a typical one, one tipper track. You know, when people see the, the corridor that are available, they assume it has no purpose. A tipper track went, collected some from somewhere. I think it's a waste. Kind of sand. Tipping it, he forgot where he was standing, lifted the truck up. He did not touch the line. But all the tires got busted. There was fire on the line. It dropped somewhere that is close to our substation. Lucky for us, we saw it early. And fire service was called in to, to assist us. If he had gone further, I don't think the the driver would have survived. For the t- Tries to go best like that. It is dangerous. Let's let educate ourselves and stay away from it. Occasionally, we have challenges, a transformer fault. We are making a conscious effort to put in a system so that even if we have a challenge with one transformer, customers should not experience it. At times, I listen to radio and social media, and people make the case that 20 years there's not been any light off. In the developed countries, for your house, you have about three or four access to your house. It's called reliability first reliability, second, third. So the systems go off, but you, the consumer, you don't see. We are a developing country, limited resources, few people paying tax. We need to mobilize additional resources to move ourselves into that regime. The next I will talk about has to do with all the legacy lines that we are making a conscious effort to reconstruct. Really, they will... Overlive their usefulness. We talk about the Western Corridor, that has to do with from Pristia all the way towards Kumase. So Takrade, Takwa, Pristia, Dunkwa, Ayamfuri, all those places towards Kumase. That is the, we call it the Western Corridor. We are going through the emotions in line with the PFM for us to reconstruct that line. Those were built in the 60s. They are far older than I am, although I'm not that young. And they've served as well. We need to replace them. The next one has to do with the coastal. Coastal is the one that moves from Accra all the way to Abouade. So you have Abouade, Cape Coast, Winneba, Kaswa, Mala. We need to reconstruct. As of now, approval has been granted for us to do. We started gradually from Tema to Achimota, Achimota to Malam. We have approval to do Malam to Kaswa. So the rest, systematically, we need to replace them. From a capacity of 170 MV, just focus on the numbers. Per circuit is two. We are moving one from 170 to 488 that is significant using the same corridor because that's what we need to do for the future transmission lines are constructed into the future it is not only for today so whatever you do 10 15 20 years they should be available this one that we are reconstructing many of them have lived over 60 years and therefore, there is the urgent need for us to reconstruct. The middle corridor, that has to do with the, the route from Akusumbu, Tafu, Nkoko, Konongo, to Kumasi. That is what we refer to as a middle corridor. They were all built at the same time. When Akusumbu Dam was originally built, one long line went round all the south, the coastal, the western, the middle and came back to Akusumu, those are the ones that we are reconstructing. Then we have the proper Eastern Corridor. That one has to do with the line from Masipi uh who there's a leg that also goes to Sugakope. You have Pandu. I think you have Pandu Peve then now uh the last one is KGB KGB yes. That is a line that has completely outlived its usefulness. It's a 69 kV. We've completely exhausted the capacity. We are aware that it translates into significant transmission losses for us, but unfortunately, resources are limited, and we are planning for it. NEDCO wants us to build a 161 kV line from Yindi all the way down about 200 plus kilometers Based on the economic disruptions, transmission line of this capacity has about close to three hundred thousand dollars per kilometer. So if you multiply even three hundred thousand by two hundred kilometers, that's a huge number. You are looking at about almost sixty-six million dollars. Those are the ones that we need to factor. We are we've started engagement with the hope that we'll get some concessionary kind of uh, Loan to facilitate some of this development. I go on to short-term projects, and here these are the ones that we need to do going forward. We have Kumasi has two substations, the one at Ahomaso, which also links up with a 330 kV from Abwade. It's about just under 20 kilometers between the and. The 100 substation, the one the old one, we have a grant of 10 million uh, euros from EIB to reconstruct that line. Unfortunately, it is a major link to the grid that we cannot take that line out without an alternative to transport the power that comes from abuade on the 330. It gets stepped down or reduced to 161. It should get a path. To go to the ahondio substation which has bulk of the load in Kumasi, that's the original location therefore the board approved for us to construct about 24 kilometers of the old existing line between konongo and Kumasi. 24 kilometers as i speak to you contract has been out construction has started I understand foundations that have been completed is about ten. Unfortunately, there are some locations that squatters within the corridor are still preventing the contractors to work. We'll do engagement with the regional minister and the appropriate authorities, but friends of the media, please let's educate ourselves that we are doing it for our collective good. They should grant us the access for us to be able to do that. It is only when we do this that you have a path for the power to flow to Kumasi, that we can take the Omasu to the Kumasi one out and utilize the grant. We need to utilize the 10 million euro grant. Because you normally don't get free money around this time in the world. And therefore, we'll take advantage of that. Special tariff project. We thank and we are grateful to the PRC based on the case we made to grant us some little money for us to use to deploy short-term capital projects, all in an effort to make sure we reduce our losses, increase reliability of the grid, for us consumers to be happy. So in this particular case, we have three key projects. We have a 225KV substation at Pristia. Originally, it was picking its source from the 161. Remember I mentioned that the 161 are the old lines that are heavily overloaded and contributing significantly to our losses. So, the 330 kV that is leaving Abu all the way to Kumase, we are taking it to Pristia to build a 330 225 kV substation so that the demand... On the export load will be taken away from the 161 onto the 330 also pristia originally had two equipment that helped with the voltage supply they are called the condensers 20 megawatt bank each they were installed in the 80s unfortunately they've all filled and Pristia, so instead of 225, you always have a low voltage about either 211 or 213. Without any mathematics, you can see that it is a node that contributes significantly to our technical losses. And therefore, as part of this funding, we are putting in an SVC to improve the voltage at Pristia and also a similar equipment at Niagniya. Nayagna is an interconnection point between Ghana and Burkina Faso. Then, out of this project, the last one has to do with Tafu substation. Tafu is a major load center for much of eastern region. The transformers there are heavily overloaded. When we take one out to do any work, we cannot guarantee supply. So the plan is for us to bring in two additional bigger ones to replace, so that even if you need to work on one transformer, the other transformer in service will be able to meet the demand. Then also we have a line from Akosumo that goes straight to Inkoko, then to Kumansi. We intend to break into that line at Tafo. To reinforce the supply. In the past, what happens is that if there was the need for us to generate a lot of hydro, and Tema also has a lot of generation, the hydro from Kosumu has stores Kumase. When that happens, the old lines get overloaded, and at times we will call on our, our brothers in ECG either in Kumasi or Konango to reduce load for us. That is an inconvenience to consumers.
1: That was engineer Ebenezer Kofi Essieni, chief executive officer of the Ghana Grid Company Limited Grid Co. Talking about the effect of Galamsey on the operations of the company. And that's it for today's edition of Eyewitness News ninety-seven point three CTFM, which came to you live from our studios at number eleven, Doctor Martin Loop in Adabraka, in Accra. <laughs> the show was produced by Beverly Landon and Samuel Afey. Eyewitness News returns at seventeen thirty GMT tomorrow. My name is Nii nee, Lati Lati. Have a good night. <laughs>
0: City News,
6: we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City97.3 FM
0: and on Twitter at City973.